Listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And this week we have a musician that I became aware of right around the time this podcast started, about three, whatever, four years ago, um, because of the Colonel Bruce had, was talking him up at the time. We talk about him in our first episode. We talk about Brandon in uh, the, the second and third episode, which is our first interview, which is with Bruce Hampton. And um, this is a young gentleman that I. Uh, just in that time have watched improve as a player. You know, he's very much more, he's, he's always been able to shred. The kid can play, but he's more and more learning to write, to pace, and to interact with the other musicians on stage. And we have the makings of someone who's going to be truly an iconic player. If he keeps, he keeps his stuff together. You know what I'm saying, Seth? He's a well-rounded young man, a nice, not Jewish boy. (laughs) You'll get that at the end of the show here, guys. Uh, But he's got to uh, stay healthy, and one great way to stay healthy is by using CBD products. Isn't that right, Seth? That's right, and we're proud to be sponsored by CBD Vermont. They believe in healthy soils, strong local economies, and plant-based wellness that go hand-in-hand. That's why they work with organic farmers all across Vermont to grow the highest quality hemp and produce full-spectrum CBD extracts for wholesale. They've recently launched an online store where you can buy Vermont-made CBD products. This includes oils, capsules, edibles, and topicals. They have been fully vetted by the staff. That's a big thing because they've been, I mean, literally, most of these CBD companies are not vetted. These guys are vetted by the staff at CBD Vermont, and they ship everywhere across the country as a huge music fans as we are. They're offering our listeners... As the, oh, excuse me, I should say they are. They're also music fans, I should say, right? And so, therefore, they are offering our listeners 15% off of all their products. Simply go to CBDVermont.com and use the promo code INSIDEOUT. That's one word. CBDVermont.com using the promo code INSIDEOUT at the checkout to get 15% off. Thank you, CBD Vermont. We appreciate you. And I also appreciate that care package. If you haven't listened back, I've used the product and it works. Thank you. Vetted more than some of our recent vice presidential candidates. Oh. 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 And uh, speaking of vice presidents, I don't know why I say that, but I want to segue into one other thing. Pole Clark. Real quick, folks, if you haven't listened yet, then you need to know. Pole Clark is where to go for all of your accounting and business financial needs. PoleClark.com. They are financial advisors. They'll, you know, tax accountants and business management for your music industry and entertainment industry in general. They've got the brains. They've got the brains to advise you and the heart to do it with your best interests in mind. So thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to the Osiris Network. And on the Osiris Network, we want to introduce you to. Hi, this is Bill Nershi with the String Cheese Incident. We're proud to be celebrating our 25th anniversary as a band. The podcast that you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris connects you with podcasts, videos, and live experiences about the artists and topics you love. Visit OsirisPod.com to check out our shows. Osiris works in partnership with Jambase, which connects music fans with the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Check them out at jambase.com. Yee-hoo! 
How about touchdowns all day? If you're a Disco Biscuits fan, you gotta gotta check this out. So lead guitar show I got one like walking you through the shows. Um, you know, I was in Philly. I reached out to him. He didn't seem too interested in getting together. But maybe someday we'll. He do lives in Vegas, God. Rob. Well, how am I supposed to know that? If he responded, he'd say, "Hey, I live in Vegas." Well, first of all, he's probably nervous that he's probably thinks you're asking for the money back from the guitar you, you helped him buy. That's that's, you know, uh, after remember? all the exposure. No, 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 dude. Most music, a lot of musicians borrow money. John Gutwill is one of the few mis- musicians who paid it back too. oh, he's a good man. He's an honorable man, but uh, he should get up with me. We should do some stuff together. Be fun. But the thing about the podcast is it's great. He just he walks you right through the jams. You know what I mean? And he talks. He talks. It's the kind of stuff I – oh, God. If there was a show like this for The Grateful Dead, I would have loved it. Jerry, like, sitting there talking about the interaction and who's stepping up and who's leading them where and, and what sent them down one path. It's just endlessly fascinating to me. You guys got to check it out. If you, even if you're not a Biscuit fan, if you're just a fan of improvisation. But if you're a Biscuit fan, it's a must listen. All right, let's get back to Taz. We're um, – our little uh, one of our two homes away from home is Terminal West in Atlanta. Is that correct, Josh? Is that correct? Oh, I almost called you Josh. It's nice to have Josh Thane back in the fold, so I can call you uh, Josh accidentally. Mm, no, Should but I'm Seth. Up? No, I'm I'm Seth. Just making sure you know who I am. Slowly. So this was um, upstairs in one of the lofts there of the uh, Terminal West venue in Atlanta, Georgia, and. It was kind of funny. We started talking basketball right away, and I knew he was a fan. I didn't know he's he's a little bit of an expert, really knowledgeable. Um, I was tempted to call him and talk about the recent uh, NBA signings, but I didn't think you'd like that too much. <laughs> There's been a big shuffle in the NBA. There's going to be a big L.A. rivalry for one thing, Seth, but um, this is a sharp young kid with an eye toward the future and without separating himself from his past. He is working hard on his craft. He's working hard on becoming a better musician, yet he's maintaining his relationship. He's, he's not turning his back on where he came from. And, and these are all, you know, part of why I think that we've got an amazing, amazing, wonderful future for this kid. Brandon, Taz Niederauer. I haven't said it yet. Seth, you're a little slow on the on the... Is there something going on? Are you doing? Are you multitasking or something? No, I'm just we're, waiting. We're cutting, There's we're nothing, cutting segments. <laughs> There's nothing for me to say. You're you you you're saying it all. I mean, Taz is amazing. I don't need to jump into anything more than the interview itself. Which, if you're listening still, please, without further ado, let us jump right into it. Let him let's let you hear from Taz because he's got a lot to say. This kid is bright and he's got a lot of zombie in him. So he's let's a clutch uh, jump into it, man. He's a clutch performer who's there when you need him, unlike that. Should go for Zion instead of trade for Anthony Davis. Well, how that would happen is you trade him for the Knicks draft pick, 
Kyrie. first draft pick. Kyrie. Kyrie for the first round draft pick and get a get a center or point guard, random point guard. But I, mean, I honestly don't think that's the best idea. But I, AD is nowhere near Kyrie Irving right now. I, I love and respect Kyrie, and I love those three games that he and LeBron gave us at the end of that final. But I don't think he's a leader. I really don't. Do you know who should be their leader? Jason Tatum. Yes. They need to build the team around Jason Tatum. Do you know he bought an apartment for his mother to live in where he lives? What a mensch. Wow. Someday you'll do something like that, I have a feeling. Yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out yet, we're sitting here with Brandon Niederauer. Hello. Known, oh. as, known as Taz for the Tasmanian Devil thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Although I think when he was younger, I think you would play like Tasmanian Devil all the time, and now you more build to the Tasmanian moments. Would you agree? Uh, I, I, I have to agree with that, yeah. Started off slow, then get into the fast stuff, yeah. then go crazy mid-show, you know. So. Sometimes I might spontaneously combust, like in Wayne's World. Might happen. You never know. But we'll see what happens tonight. You look like you're about to when Eric McFadden was soloing on Manic Depression in New Orleans. Was that just last night? No, that was in uh, Boca. That's that in Boca. Two okay. nights ago. Yeah, the, the and Boca, no yeah he was too. just killing it. And I was like, oh, my God. He was, he, he, I always love playing with him. He's a good He's a good guy. Tell us about the current band. We got two Matts, right? Yep. So we got Matt Fox, bass player. We got Matt Godfrey who is on the guitar. And he also co-songwrites. Co- he co-writes also co-songwrites. He's also my guitar teacher. And um, we've got Kendall Lentz back there on the drums. So and so- no Mark Reckler on the road this time, huh? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes we can't fly the whole band out. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't afford it. But we will get there one day. All in time. Yeah. All in time. And how much, what percentage are originals at this point, you think? In today's set that we're going to do at Terminal West, probably 70. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, just a year ago, it was probably like 20%. Wow. Right. Yeah, we've just been writing like crazy. Where do you find the time to do that between everything, all the things you're doing? Well, I just got to sit down, get in my own headspace after school. Or sometimes it happens in school where, like, I'll think of lyrics, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go to the bathroom for 20 minutes, and then I'll just write them down on my phone notes. Which I'm very lucky to have a phone, so I can do that. But like, I, I just have to. I just find time. Like, I mean, there's some days where I'm just doing nothing after school. Like, I have no events, and I'm. I mean, there's sometimes where you know I'm taking a train to New York City to do something, and I have time to. You know, there are times. There are little pockets of time where you can, you know, figure stuff out. But there's a lot of things to point out that you have an eye for the long term with the humility. You're still in public school. Still has his buddies back home, many of whom you've known since you were very young. Oh, right? yeah. I've known all of them since I was basically born. Like, I've, I've known all. They, there's some my best friends. They've been with me before I played guitar. So, this is I mean, key. I'm extra thankful to them because they keep my head on straight. I, I just love uh, repeatedly in researching for this, seeing how grounded you are. I've, I've seen musicians older than you get a huge ego before they've even sold out a club this size. You know, it's so refreshing to see someone who gets it beyond just playing the instrument and getting the adulation. Thank you. I mean, I appreciate that. And it all, most of that stuff, you know, trying not to have an ego at all times, it comes from, you know, me getting to see a lot of bands when I was, you know, seven or eight that I idolized. And the, the guys, you know, like the guys in the Alma Brothers and a bunch of those dudes were always so nice to me, you know, took the time to, you know, sign my CD and all this. And some some of the other guys weren't so nice in bands, you know. I'm not going to name any names. Oh, you already have. But like, one's from Boston, <laughs> but we don't have to mention it. I don't know who you're talking about. He never but saw the band me. Boston. 
I, who, I, I have sure no idea what you're talking about. But after, but after, after, after this, after we turn off the mics, I want you to tell me who you think it is. But I don't remember saying anything. But like, yeah, the guys from the Allen Brothers, all of them were just yes. so nice. And I was like, I want to be like them. I want to be nice. You now, know? are you on vacation now? You must be. Well, yeah, I'm on uh, spring break. Okay. Which is so nice that spring break falls right in line with Jazz Fest. Yeah. It, it is, isn't out? it? Do you have that much pull at your school now? Well, I mean, actually, <laughs> I, I I get to miss a, probably half the year with touring because, you know, I make sure I, my, I get my schoolwork done. And that's always most important. Even on jam careers, you were doing your Oh, yeah, you know, it was hard. It was a struggle because, you know, music all day. And, I mean, like, it's not like I'm waking up at 8 a.m. I'm waking up at, like, 2 p.m. So it's, like, music all the time and it's so hard to be like nope take a 30 minute break go see this band go see Krungbin on the main stage and I'm like nope gotta gotta get the school work done long term big picture yeah but I mean school I, I'm lucky enough to you know take it serious enough to get your straight A's and I will keep doing that so that my mother stays happy what about college college it's to be determined where I go to college I really don't know, <laughs> to be honest. Berkeley, Berkeley. I could go the music route, you know, Berkeley. I could go, like, the regular route, look at places like NYU or even Columbia in New York City. Or broadcasting. Broadcasting. You could extend yourself. I do want to start a podcast. I do. I listen to podcasts on the daily, you know, in the car, five-hour car rides, you know, to the next gig. But he said he just a, heard about us today, Rob. Yeah, you need to start checking us out. <laughs> Please and all the Osiris. Do you know about Osiris Pod? I don't. Osiris is a network of podcasts. It's a community. There's a whole bunch of them. There's even a history one called The Road to Now. There's one called Beyond the Pond where they take the music of Fish and turn people onto other bands, other mm. styles of music. It's excellent. A bunch of stuff. That's cool. So even if you hate us, you'll find cool. something good on there. Yeah, half half of it, half of the podcasts on my phone are music related and half are sports related. I, I'm I, I'm really into sports and like. I could I could debate for days, but like it's good to you know get my headspace you know out of the music thing and just you know watch sports sometimes or even you know like I'm in Florida now and go to the beach like or do stuff you know I always make sure that I do stuff that's not music related like I'll play I'll play basketball you know I'll hang out with my friends play video games because that you know it gets my headspace clear yeah and I'm not always thinking about music you need something to escape just to. Make music. See, Rob's on the other hand. Rob will actually watch sports and only talk about music the whole time. (laughs) See, I can't do that. (laughs) I, I'm, you know, as a Knicks fan, you know, we've been in turmoil for like 40 years or something since we last won a championship, and all my friends are like, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be a Yankee fan, so like I tell all the Mets fans like, no, 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 you know, I like to try to talk about that, but like that's people do that to me with the Knicks, so like, I, I. Yeah, sports are very important to me, and once we get Zion, we're gonna be good. Okay. Oh, we, we're gonna get Zion. I thought you said we're gonna get Zion. See, I grew up in Boston, so uh, you know, big Bruins and Celtics. I saw the whole McHale Bird Parish. Yeah, um, he's old. Yeah, but I'm a hockey guy. You don't do the playoff hockey. Huh? I, I I am watching playoff hockey, and I enjoy it. I just don't have a team. Did, did you see the one that went late last night? Like, do you have a do you have a TV on your bus? Or, or well, I mean, we're not on a no bus, bus yet. <laughs> but like. It's in your I, future. I, I'm, I uh, basically, you know, I'm on my phone. I can find like a pirated stream, <laughs> and I can just watch it. I have been watching it. Stanley Cup playoffs are fun to watch. I just don't like watching the regular season. For some reason, I, I, it's on at the same time as basketball, 
and like I'd just rather rather watch basketball. And what about dating? Are you able to date? I mean, how do you maintain a, a girlfriend when you're on the road constantly? Uh, that's between me and the girlfriend. Oh, depending on which girlfriend. No, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just keep it out of the spotlight, you know. Smart. Yeah. So many ways he's got his head screwed on straight. It's Seth? just the thing is like, I've there's so many being born in this generation, whatever generation Z or whatever, you know, being born in 2003 and having the internet, I've seen so many examples of people's careers who went wrong because of things they did, either being egotistical or you know, throwing their dating spotlight out and you know, or, you know, drugs like drugs too. That that's a big one. And, like, What's my dad made sure I was exposed to that early. Like, not drugs, of course, but, like... <laughs> Come here, son. Dad, See, this, this is called angel This is dust. a needle. No, yeah. Try this. Try this. <laughs> no, how do you no, feel? Yeah. No, not in that way, of course, for anybody who's listening, but, like, you know, made sure, you know, like, I'd ask him, you know, how'd this person die? Drugs. How'd this person die? Drugs. Right. How'd this person die? High on a motorcycle. Did this. No. And even something as innocent as weed, which I'm in favor of weed, mean, league, and all that, but really your mind is still forming... Into your yeah, 20s. My, yeah, I mean, your frontal cortex is forming until you're like 21 or something. Right. So like, Even you longer, know, I think. Yeah. For Rob, and it's I mean, still forming. Well, yeah. some people don't mind twisting it up, but I think the best way to do it is to wait till you get older. And you actually, there come situations when you get older yeah. when you need the stuff. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. Just like any kind of medicine, you know? Yeah, medicinal Wait till you get older and you need and, it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've tried to, I'm doing my best to, you know, try to stay clean and, you know, right not, not, not do anything until... You know, like you said, like my brain is forming, like fully formed. In Europe, a kid's exposed to alcohol, like parents are drinking. And so by the time they get to drink, it's no big deal. It's not like they have to wait till they're 21. They can drink when they're 18, I think. And it's just there's not a big interest. So for you, being exposed to music in such a young age, and, and not just music, but the musicians, the whole scene. I mean, how old were you when the first time you were on Jam Cruise? Uh, Ten. Yeah. So... So you're exposed to this crazy party scene and a jazz fest, the whole deal. So for someone like you, it must be a little different because you, you've seen it. You've seen how I people have, act. Yeah, I have seen it. But I mean, I mean, people have offered me stuff. And like, you know, my dad, I think the issue, I don't think the issue is people being exposed to it. But like having a parental figure or even a yes. guardian who states it and puts it in, you know, from an early age that you shouldn't be doing that stuff until you're older or shouldn't be trying it rather until you're older right and like if you have somebody like my dad and my mom and my older brother too who are like don't do that don't do that like and also the horrific examples of people who had overdoses or the the horrific examples of people you know who are doing so good and then but like as a kid though like when you see a musician that you know and you're fond of that partakes in something and then performs on stage are you like are you like, oh, I don't want to be like that. Look at how he's messing up. Or is it like, oh, look at that space he's going or something? No, it's just, for me, it's like, you know, you do you. You know, I'm going to do me. I don't do any of that stuff, you know. If it helps you, that's fine. It may or it may not. But, you know, I haven't tried it and I probably won't. So, I mean, yeah, everybody, everybody, you know, I, I, I don't mind. Like, people do what they want. You know, I'm no stranger to it. You know, I go these places and, like, you know, there's weed and, like, or there'll be, you know, drugs and stuff. And, I mean, I'm like, fine, you guys you guys can do. I mean, it may help you, but it's not going to help me. So. You be you, that may be me. No yeah. strings attached emotionally. You know <laughs> exactly. Of course. Satana fan, open invitation. Yeah. Uh, Satana's playing tonight, actually, here in Atlanta. Actually? Yeah. That's sick. 
So you should go sit in with <laughs> Taz him. is like, yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to be a little late. Oh, no, yeah. I saw Santana. Another guy, Carlos Santana, is a great guy. Like, I, I, I got to meet him once for like five seconds. Very spiritual. Very right? nice. Very nice. I'd love to see the two of you play. That'd be fun. I would love to as well. All right. <laughs> Seth, can you take us in the Wayback Machine? Beep. Not going too far back, right? No, that's that was that as was far it? back as you can go. It's Dick's Hills, right? Yep, that's where I live. Where Fifty Cent is from? Did you know that? What? If 50 I had a quarter from there, do you know what? I had two quarters for every time someone said that. Fifty Cent is from that. I know John Coltrane used to live there. Coltrane, yeah. and when he first started up with Alice, I think they lived there. Yep. Right? One of the, one of the one of the albums was recorded in his house, which is like five minutes away from mine. Oh no, I didn't know that. Which one? I don't remember. Nine but I love him. <laughs> I just like that name. Um, and uh, Ralph Macchio. Even you know my Ralph No Macchio. way. Yeah. Are you watching? No way. Are you watching the new series? I, I haven't, but I want to. I saw an ad for it, but like that movie, oh my God, I watched that like a million times. So like times. The, the Karate Kid has a new series on um, Hulu? I think it's not Hulu. I don't yeah, know. yeah, what it's, uh, it? yeah. But like he also did this, the blues movie with that, uh, with that guy and like uh, the devil at the cross, the crossroads. Oh, crossroads, called, yeah. yeah. With Steve, I, I like that. But the thing, one too. the thing about that, uh, the Karate Kid thing is that for like your dad and you, right? Like this is the thing about it, right? It's that 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 split there's generation a, a where the kids are like like you know enjoying it as much as their parents enjoy it. Yeah, you know, it ties the whole thing together. Yeah, I wish I don't know why this just popped into my head, but when we interviewed the Colonel and and I found out about you from him, and I made a point to him that you know with through Brandon. Your legacy could extend very far into the future, Mr. Mr. Hampton. And I think you like that, but we'll get to him later. Um, uh, so you, you see School of Rock, the movie, then you ask your dad for not only for a guitar, but for a teacher. Like, is Dewey is the teacher in the movie? Yeah. And uh, who, so is your guitarist with you? That, it's not. He wasn't okay. my original teacher. Who was that? Um, it was, uh, so we went into Sam Ash, which is a music store, and he, like, found, like, a card, like, a bunch of cards On for a bunch board. of people. Basically, and he picked one up, and he just called. So them. that works. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> he he called him up, and he said, "Yeah, I'll teach your son." And I mean, as soon as I, as soon as I was, I learned like black and back in black, and like my first lesson, I was like, "What?" I didn't know I could do that. And then like, I mean, it was just the rest is history. I was just loving it from day one. But what were the toughest things about learning guitar for you? Everybody's different. Well, your calluses have to form on your fingers for because you know it's a metal string, and it's hard. So, like, when you're first playing, you have to get calluses on the tips of your fingers before you can't feel, like, the pain of the string anymore. Right. That was probably hard for me, although I don't remember it. But, I, I mean... What about bar chords? It's just been a... Yeah, I mean, I had small hands when I was, you know, eight years old. So, like, it, was probably be, it would probably be hard for me to do that as well. And it used to wail on your legs, too, right? Yeah. Does it still do that? I, not not usually, but the thing is, another thing that was hard is I was such a small eight-year-old, and, like, straps, they don't make a lot of straps for really young kids, so it was hard to, like, I had to, like, my dad had to, like, drill a hole in a strap for it to be small enough. I mean, I like, it, it was, but, we, you know, we made it work. It worked, and now... You, you got picked on. You were so small, right? Well, yeah, I... There was a little bit of that in my school, but, you know, I just go to my guitar, my best friend. Right. Well, no comps for those jerks, ever. <laughs> yeah. Nah. So does this all start with the City Field thing where you're in, you're in a band at school and you went and you played City Field? You've done a lot of research. 
That's done what he a does. A lot of research. I don't only just crack bad jokes, but he does a really good job. You of do research. a lot of research. Well, but you're an interesting guy, man. This is a bit of a story here. <laughs> I think you're aware. Oh, I've never been asked about this. I don't think. Maybe a couple times, but not in the majority of the interviews. I applaud you. Thank you. So, how, why was the school at City Field? And so we did. Um, I was in a program on Long Island called Rock and Roll University. Which is kind of like a, you know, the school of rocks that you see, the million of them that are around, that are I think are so good because they allow kids to play with other kids. And we did a program where we uh, went, uh, we got to go to City Field one day, and we all, uh, our parents, my parents included, were so I'm so thankful for them to pay the money for me to go there to be able to go there. And we did the. Uh, one of the people who was, who was like a singer there, I wasn't singing at the time, but she did like the national anthem. And then right after, like we played like like up at the upper, upper deck. Like they have like this entertainment center. And like we played music like the whole game. Oh. And like it was, it was fun. Was that and, to like, distract from the team that finished 22 games behind the Braves? <laughs> Are you a Braves fan? Is that what you're saying? Red Matt? Sox and Braves, but whatever. You're a Red Sox fan. Yeah, you oh, guys no. got us in 86, man. Come on. Oh, no. But you won last year. I didn't appreciate the 86 Mets team until the 2013 Red Sox team. Then I understood. Because those are very Tell you, the, the Babe Ruth curse will never go away. <laughs> I don't care how many they win. <laughs> I am so... I, well, you, guys beat us, you guys beat us good, though, in, the, in, the, in that first series in that last year. See, when you say the Mets, you know, the only thing I can remember is uh, baseball cards from the 80s. I used that. Who was it? Daryl Strawberry? Was he a Met? Yep. Okay. Mookie Wilson. Uh, Ray Knight. Ray Knight was yeah. so good. Yeah. I, I think I made like a dollar fifty on that card. A whole but I, I'm full. I'm full Aaron Judge, by the way. Oh. I mean, I of course, my, I'm Yankees. a Yankees fan, so like. I mean, I grew up hating him as a Red Sox fan, but they drafted my nephew. My nephew's in the organization. Actually? Yeah, you guys You guys need to meet sometime. You That's really, sick. You, you would hit a. That's awesome. Rick Serum. Congratulations. Well, to yeah. him, I didn't do anything. Yeah, no, but like, you, you got to be ball. really lucky to get into any league. The only little part of it I would have is literally when he was two, he was like a sponge, and I taught him the whole pivot your pivot your feet, pop your hips thing. Yeah. And also keep your glove down. I would hit him grounders, hit him grounders. When, literally, when he's like three or four years old, he was so young, he picked up on a right. But this isn't about me, this is about you. So you're playing at City Field. Who discovers you? How does this turn into the Ellen appearance? Well, oh, yeah. multiple people That's discovered you me. You, you impressed Mul- people. Multiple people discovered me. So we had one of the first. The first people were, of course, my my family, like my dad, my mom, and my brother. And you then you're just in the house. Well, yeah, in the house. So like, and then my dad said, "Hey, I want to take you to this music program at the place that I mentioned before, Rock and Roll University." There was a guy there named Bill McNoli who was the music director. He was the next one to discover me, and like only a select number of kids got to go to the city field and like I was probably the youngest one because he had so much faith in me so that was part of it then I went to this camp called Roots Rock Revival and oh, that, that's where yeah, I O'Teal and, yeah that's where I first met O'Teal and Butch Trucks and um, Luther and Cody Dickinson Craig Keel I think I'm forgetting another name but those guys uh, discovered me there specifically Butch Trucks who's you know, he, he instrumental in my, you know, me like learning how to play like really like professionally like with a band, and then like he taught me so much. Even though he's not even a guitar player, right. like he was, so he was like he he was so patient with me. Like he would let me go on stage with them at the camp, and like, I mean that's where that was awesome. But there actually I met a photographer named Sidney Smith who lives in New Orleans, and he also you know he brought me down to New Orleans, brought me around to like 
bars and like show me people that he knew and like let me play with them and then I got a little following down there. He was another person who discovered me. And all of this raveled up and somehow the Ellen people found it. I don't know the exact how. I I will I will ask my dad actually because I really don't. But one day he just came in, and he was like, Ellen wants you to go on her show and I was like, You're lying. <laughs> like I mean I was just from a small town, so like you know, but I mean, it happened. So grateful for that. Cause a Norman Allen show, did she dance in the crowd at the beginning and everything? Were you in a green room watching <laughs> the monitor and everything? Yeah, I was. And I right after that, actually, he, Greg Allman was watching the show. <laughs> and Greg Allman called my... Greg Allman called uh, my my dad up. And he was like, with his... Uh, with Rebecca Raffensperger, who I think showed him. And... Called me to you know go play with them in Daytona, wow. and I went to there like literally like like fifteen days after Ellen, and then I went on Jam Cruise. Yeah, because that's probably where the Jam Cruise guys. Yeah, saw then I went on Jam Cruise the day after that, and that's where you meet the. Colonel. And that's where it start. That's where it all started. Yeah, that's where I met the Colonel. Met the Colonel. They did a Music Masters camps at sea. That's where I met the Colonel. All right. Before we get into all that though, I, I want to talk about. There's a time you're playing in Vermont. You're playing with the. Uh, What's the guy? Joey Leone? Yeah. yeah. Now, did you mention from the stage your affinity for School of Rock during that show or anything? I don't remember. I really but don't. At the when end when that, was this? This You played Vermont, and that was when you got approached about, or, or someone told you about School of Rock. That's where you, the, the, the theatrical version. Oh, the theatrical out. version? I don't. I, all I remember is we were going. I wanted to go try out for this. They have open calls on Broadway where anybody can go and audition. And I remember we were going on a plane to Chicago, so we could not go. I don't remember the Vermont thing, but it's probably true. So just go with that. And then <laughs> my music director from my school, who is kind of in on Broadway, he was like, you need to see this kid. Thankfully, I mean, he, he's, I, I have so much thanks for him. I'm so grateful for him. You know, because I did, I did a pit band for a school show, and he was the music director for that. That's how we figured out who I was. And then... They called me for an open audition for them. For uh, Sorry, a private audition. I went in, and then I went in for another audition. Then I went in for an audition where I had to so-called dance, and I was like, I can't dance, Mom. What am I going to do? She was like, it's fine. You're probably going to go in. They're going to tell you to do stuff, and they're going to see how well you go with directions. Right. And she was 100% right. And I, she was like, just make sure you're in the front. Make sure they can see you. Okay? If they tell you to move to the back, don't move to the back. And that's what I did. And they called me in for another audition when Angeloid Weber was there, who was like, he is, like, everybody was looking at him like, he, he is, like, he's written so many How amazing shows. How familiar were you with that at that time See, of, this of is, his magnitude? This is, this is the best part because, like, everybody was freaking out, but I didn't even know... Like how famous he was. Ignorance so can like, be bliss. Like no, I true. didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. And like I'm thankful for that because I would have peed my pants if I actually knew who he was. I didn't know who he was until after I left. And they appreciate that. Yeah, They're I mean, just, they definitely know, they, do. Because then you're looking at them as yeah. a real person. And I mean, I got to meet him. And I did mean, he speak in rhyme? No, he didn't. But I mean, I, I, that would have been cool. But he's just what a nice guy. Like he is so nice. Like every time you know, gave me a hug. Like he he's. I mean, he's the reason why I was on Broadway. Like, the fact that he even put that show on Broadway is the reason why I was on it. And thankfully, I got through the audition, and I got to go for an off-Broadway production, and then I got to go for the real Broadway production. And 
I mean, he he's such a like I look up to him in so many ways. Like all the shows that he's done, he's in broad he's on Broadway in Australia, in England. I mean, all across the country in the U.S. He's in Las Vegas. Like he he's done so much, and his music is all over the world, and it's inspired so many individuals. And he just writes the most amazing songs. Like I'm not that much of a of like a show tune guy but like when I if you listen to like the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack or like the Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack like that that's some powerful stuff well the thing that uh, rock people underappreciate about Broadway writing often is that you have to fit it into the story you, yeah you turn that off thank you the, mel- the, <laughs> the melody and all of the stuff all the chords have to go with where the character's feeling and what it's lyrics. feeling and like that that taught me a lot like, okay well once you get the part and you're you're doing the acting. To what extent are you getting feedback on an ongoing basis? Oh, it's every day. So basically, uh, this is a part got a where a Jewish mother gets feedback all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is a part. That, this is a this is a part where uh, my school's sending me work. Uh, they have like legal tutors there and legal guardians for us. I'm working 12 hours a day with a two-hour lunch break in there and in, included. And uh, we do we learn. And they'd give notes to us. Learn, give notes, learn, give notes. You know, we just try to keep it going. And then that was a six What was the thing you had to work on the most for you particularly? Singing, because I couldn't sing. My mom doesn't like that I say this, but, like, the only reason I can shorter sing now, I'd say, like, I'd never call myself, like, a great singer. But, like, he, uh, all the people there, like, they'd be like, no, sing it like this. You need to sing like this. And they brought in like a vocal coach, like this is how you sing. This is the right. This is your anatomy. This is how everything works. You need to stand tall. You can't slouch into chair when you're singing. You got to stand tall. A lot of it's breathing. Use, yeah, right. use your diaphragm. This is how you breathe. And like that, that like, revolutionized like my singing. Like yeah. it, it was. And I noticed was today big. during your uh, sound check, you're doing a lot of singing. Yeah, you guys are working on harmonies. Yeah, we we we've done it, and I mean. Thankfully, because of School Rock, I'm now comfortable with my voice. Good. For the first time. Like, after that, like, after the School of Rock experience, it totally made me, you know, like, want to sing. Like, I, it made me, like, you know, comfortable in my own skin when I'm, when I'm singing. Because it's totally different when you're, you know, singing and playing a guitar to when you're, like, singing the vocals. Because, like, singing the vocals and you're singing actual words, it's easy for the audience to connect what you're saying. And that's it's a big job to do. Especially when you know when you're playing the chords all the time. So, I mean, I, I'm loving doing it right now, and it's all because you know that school of rock experience. Were you there when Stevie Nicks sounded? Yeah, I was there. That was another cool thing. So nice, so nice, nicest person I think I've ever met. She even she like gave all of us like necklaces, like these cool necklaces. You mean necklaces? Necklaces. Necklaces. Oh my god. And like, I mean, she she's such a nice person, such a role model. How much did she sing? And she sang during the performance? Well, basically, we did this thing for this Broadway Equity Fights AIDS, this uh, thing where all the shows get together and they donate uh, money money to to their foundation or their their organization where they donate to, you know, AIDS-fighting things. And we did a thing with her there, and then we did one after a show. And, I mean, I, I, I had so much fun doing that with her. I mean, the fact that she would even say yes to singing with kids, that's a pretty daunting task. Like, to sing a bunch of, to sing your music that you wrote, like, your when beloved you music. And, no, yeah. <laughs> but, like, to sing all this this music that's, like, 
you know, it's been downloaded so many times that every, every living being has heard her songs. And, like, to play it with kids, like, I'd be pretty scared. But, she, you know, she said, yeah, she took a chance. And, I mean, it went well. I made sure, we all made sure we were on our A game. Yeah. And, I mean, she was such a nice person. She gave us advice. And, I mean, I'm so thankful for her, too. All right, well, let's talk about the Colonel. You met him when you were 10 on Jam Cruise through George Porter, right? Did George Porter introduce you? Uh, I thought it was O'Teal. I think it was O'Teal. But Porter was the first to invite you on stage. And- Porter was the first person I've ever sat in with. <laughs> like, and I mean, I love the meters, like, all their music. I listen to all their music daily. And, like, I mean, I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know who he was. Like, I didn't know who anybody in the scene was. And, like, now looking back on it, I'm like, I, I wasn't, you know, nobody knew who I was. And I'm like, the fact that he actually said yes to that, I'm like, wow. I have so much respect for him. And I, I, every time I see him, like, I'm so happy. Like, have you been as, I mean, I'm sure you, you're pretty cool as a cucumber in general. But you must have been a little starstruck the first time with Porter. Is that the most, or have you been more starstruck since you first sat in? Has there one time where you were like, whoa, whoa what am I doing here? Like on stage? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's I, actually I don't a really good know. answer. I don't know. So it doesn't really phase you. Once you get up there, you're just kind of getting. It's the not. Zone. It's only like the first five seconds. Okay, I'll tell you who. Um, I think I sat at 420 Fest last year in Atlanta. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band asked me to sit in. Like, the Allman Brothers were the first band I ever listened to. So like that was big. That was a big moment for me. I was. I was. I, I didn't even think. I didn't think or like it wasn't in my head that that would ever happen ever that I get to play with you know Derek Trucks and Susan Tedeschi who are still making like amazing music oh, their, their band is so good absolutely and like I went on and like I was walking on like and I, I didn't know and like as soon as I started playing the first note I was like wow and I looked out of the crowd like 10k in the audience and I was like oh my god well, 10k was your set you're talking yeah. more like 30k okay yeah that <laughs> I, I don't know the numbers but like I just looked out I'm just and there, guessing. Was, there was a bunch of people and I was like oh my god this is actually happening right now and I just I just tuned all that out pretending like I was playing in my bedroom and like I do with everybody else and I, I just had such an amazing time on there you sent him with another headliner the next night didn't you yeah um, you're a little cheesy yeah, String Cheese and Umphreys were Umphreys the other nights. Is what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah. But I liked the way they played Lenny. Yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah, they brought it, it like, down. Brought it down and let you yeah. let people who only hear about you shredding. You really, Jake, really in particular, kind of He's seemed such a to want to too. showcase your ability to craft a gorgeous solo, not just shred. And that, yeah, and that's something that's really developed in the last. I, I want to say in the last year, year and a half, where you, you as a musician. Are really defining that that now. It's not just shredding. Yeah, you're, so, really, yeah. you're building in and and you're 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 telling a story as opposed exactly. to just you know. Yeah, I mean that's. I always yeah, it's it's all telling a story every solo. I'm like that's what the significant gives. I mean the significance is like, you know you want to you want to make the audience feel something. It's one thing if it's like wow that guy's really great you know that kid's really good for his age, but when you can like connect with the audience, like the way a singer can without words like I mean it, it took very, a long it was, while it took me a lot of time sitting down to be able to you know even start it mm-hmm. and I mean I'm nowhere close to it Certainly. I'll never be there like no good to, like that's the thing with guitars and music 
and other things compared to like sports is like sports you have a prime you have a definite prime when you're 28 to 31 usually and like but with guitars and stuff mm -hmm. the thing about, I like about music is you'll never get there because you'll always get better so like and that's something I'm looking forward to in the next 20 years and just getting the, better that, and better that's the thing about music I, I think for like any kid doesn't matter it's, it's the, it doesn't matter how good you get you will if you do the work you'll always get better you might not be the best but yeah. you'll always be the best you if you yeah. do the work you'll always get better yeah. what other thing in life really is there like that there's there really, not, there really there's isn't. not many. There's being, not many. Being a, a, a member of your family. Being yeah, that's true. I mean, if you want to go the religious route, like you could say that. There's that too. There's you could say like going to church, and but I really the only thing I could think of besides like that anybody could relate to is just you know you could be like a writer, like a poet. Yeah, that's one thing. But I mean, I really can't. Or just you know, playing in a band. Like, there's something about that. Like, well, you I mean, always I think get these better. These kids that are like that, that are deprived from from having a good family or good, you know, good upbringings, whatever. Yeah. But they can go home and they could work on guitar, clarinet, a drum, whatever. Yeah. If they work on music, they will constantly get better. And what that can do for them. Yeah. Is life changing. The thing is, like, the thing that I love about music is like. Even if you're not in the best household ever, like, I mean, I'm very fortunate with my household. I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. But, like, if you're mad, angry, sad, or even happy, like, you could just put it that into your craft. Yeah. That's with anything. That's with sports, too. And if you use your emotions and channel it into your music or your craft, whether whatever it is, your best self will always come out. And that's what I found. So, you know, when I'm closing my eyes trying to solo, you know, something... It's not, I'm not necessarily like, oh my God, I'm mad at you or I'm mad at this person or I'm happy about this. It's just forgetting all that, having that in you, but really just getting out of that headspace. And like music is one thing that'll deter you from that and just gets you in a place that nothing else will. And the way it differs from sports, as much as you, you can tell. I love sports. Yeah. And I also think when you're, you're a kid... Sports radio I, I also think when you're a kid, you can learn yeah. a lot from sports about the whole being greater than some of those parts, about being yeah, the, the I mean, accountable being and all that. Yeah, I mean, being a team. But the winning and losing thing, when it spills into other parts of your life... I mean, look at politics today. You could argue that it's been infected by sports. People just want their side to win at all costs, as yeah. opposed to wanting what's best for what the league would be, which is our country! Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another way that I think music, it's, it's about... Together, it's not nobody's winning or losing except these silly competitions. But you're just trying to reach the audience, and they're they're giving that yeah. to you and so forth. Yeah, I mean, the the competition with with me and with all my bandmates that I know because I talked about this. It's it's internal. Can I get to that place where I'm feeling comfortable? Right. Like there's so many variables. You know, bad amp because we're backlining, which means that we can't we can't fly our amps on right. on the plane. So like like we have amps brought here. And like, you know, it's, a total when you're, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a team in an away game. Like, you know, you're not comfortable there. So it's like, you know, can I get in the right headspace? Can I, can I do everything I want to do with the bat or with the ball? And it's like, I mean, it's, it's hard, but I mean, you, once you get to that place, you're like, oh my God, I, I would not rather be doing anything. Not that you would ever not rather do, be doing right. anything, but like, it's just that much greater. But getting back to the Colonel, how vividly do you remember first meeting him and how long between them and him inviting you into his band? I remember every word he said because I sat down and he was like March 16th, 2003, and I was like, what the hell? Your birthday? Yeah, and I was like, what? And he like, doesn't Dad. do any research. No, I was like, yeah, I know. I was like, Dad, what? I was like, how'd you know? He was like, it's 
where the stars aligned when you were born. And I was like, what? And then he guessed, I think he guessed my dad. But he then, like, he came to the, the Roots Rock Revival camp that I was talking about with, like, where I met O'Teal and Butch, uh, O'Teal Burbage and Butch Trucks. And I brought my friends were there. So I brought them all to him. And he did it for them, too. And everybody was like, what? Wow. I mean, he's just... He was just an amazing guy, and I mean, he gave another guy like I sit, sat in with many people. He gave me a chance, and I think the first time that I sat in with him was BB King's in New York City, oh, which yeah. sadly I don't think he's a thing anymore. But BB King's Club, and I mean, I play I play with him. That was many right. Times. That was during the Almonds run too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And uh, yeah, I played with him. I remember he was just going times. out there. He's like, "I'm bringing out the kid." Yeah, bring the kid out. He's always talking <laughs> about you. And yeah. there's a trumpet player, too, he was bringing out, too. I forget his name. Because I didn't know him as well as Seth. I would only talk to him intermittently. And he still was making it clear even to me in the few times that we had about you. Um, do, aside from the final show, what memories do you have of being in his band and, uh, and playing with him? And what were some of the funny ways he gave you a solo? Or what were some uh, of what, the... what band are you referring to? The Here Comes well, he Rusty was... Band or the... Uh... Any, just any... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just pure joy. I mean, he just made sure everybody everybody was happy i mean he would do jokes or we go into some amazing jams led by him or you know space is the place is a song where we're like shouting out all the planet names or like put our guitars on our backs or like play with our feet somehow like he just made the audience he was one he was a showman like he made the audience was fully captivated nobody was on their phones <laughs> like nobody was I, I swear to god nobody was on their phones doing anything nobody was even videotaping because everybody wanted to be straight in the moment and he was very good at I, I think best person I've ever seen to be able to really captivate an audience and just you know have fun on stage but we were playing one song and then all of a sudden he starts singing another and you guys just had to like find your way to that song in the tempo he's singing it I don't remember that as much as the second thing he said where he'd sing a song in a different tempo and then we'd have to do that <laughs> And it'll be a, a funky version of a fast song. But, yeah, I mean, that's not something you really worry about when you play with him. It's more, I mean, there's really no worries. That's the point of, you know, everybody Everybody has played with him. And he's, he says, he said, you know, in interviews that he's like the minor league for musicians. Yeah. And, I mean, he, like, he, he literally anybody you can think of in this, in this jam scene world has either, you know, heard of him or played with him. And I'm very fortunate to have played with him. And at the Big Hampton 70. Yeah, that which, was... Which is interesting. I've heard you say a lot of things about how you've lost these musicians, which is true. But, but I think as time goes by, you must more have an attitude of like, oh my gosh, I got to know these people just in time. Yeah, I mean, the first one I think that had... The, the first one was B.B. King because I met him oh. like an exact year before he died, I think. And I mean, I, I saw him. He was amazing. Right after the show, I went to say hi. And I mean, I think I, that, that was at that the big yeah, blues the big bender. blues bender. Yeah, and I, think I mean, we were he was in the same he, room at the same yeah, time. Yeah, he was so good one. and took the time to say hi to me. I was probably eleven at the time, and I mean, that was that was amazing. And you know, he died, and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then the Hampton Seventy thing happened, where like not many people know this, but like he literally fell on my leg. Oh yeah. Like he was, you could. I've never watched the video, but I'm sure you could see it in the video. I never will watch the video. And like, did you feel anything unusual at that moment? No, everybody was laughing, and you weren't. You everybody were was laughing. Concerned. I was the first one to be concerned. Yeah, because I looked, and I was like, 
Derek was on my left and Warren was on my right. And I was like, what's happening right now? I looked at them and then I got them concerned. And then everybody else started to get concerned. And then it just, everybody just stopped playing. And then the real part, not not that like, that scarred me for a while was when they took him back. And like, they somebody, somebody was like a major league baseball player. Jake Peavy. Yeah. He... Like knew how to do CPR or something. Like, I think he's some kind of doctor thing that he was, and like they took his shirt off and they started pumping. And I remember looking at that and being like, "Whoa, something's wrong." And like I had to like, you know, separate myself because you know I was, I, I wasn't, you know, I don't, th- I didn't think I was old enough. I and mean, I was right to be like, sure. I'm not old enough to be able to take this in. Right. And like I just left the scene, like watched him get in the ambulance from the window, and then got my stuff. And went to the hotel and went to bed. Because like, to me, the only tragedy, as time goes by, would be if any of the musicians on stage were scarred by it. Because I don't think it's something that should scar you. I think he went out the way he wanted to. Yeah. And no, I think he said it in an interview like 20 years right. before. He was like, "If I'm die on stage, like." Did you like, ever think he gave you exactly way. what you needed at that point in your career? Because you had everything else going for you. I really, this- yeah. I mean, that was the first time, really, like growing up watching the Allman Brothers. I wanted to play with Warren and Derek, and like that was. He let he enabled that at the same mm-hmm. time. But I'm also talking about the wisdom of experience to draw from when you play for the rest of your career. I'm talking about like what Vince Herman said. Remember, he said that kid will never play a solo note for the rest of his life. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wait, here? Say, say it again. That kid will never play a soulless note. Soulless note. Soulless note for the rest. of Oh yeah, he's definitely. He's because definitely it's right. Not, you, it's not just about being technically proficient and a good performer. It's, it's about also, you know putting yourself in the in the notes and having a wisdom of experience to draw from. Yeah, and I mean, I that 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 event, the whole everything that happened that night, I, mean, I instantly grew as a person after I stopped crying for like the entire day. And one thing is, I had a show the next day at School of Rock. You know, everything was supposed to go amazingly. You know, we go to the after party until like two a.m. and then I'd go to bed and then get up, go on the plane, go to School of Rock and. Of course, that's not the case. My dad was like, "You're not doing the show tonight." I was like, "Yes, I am. I have to go." Because you know, I'm, I, I always, you know, have to serve. You know, I, for some reason, it's just me, like my instinct. Like I, I will not, even if I'm sick, throwing up, I have to go on stage. Which was smart because you learned another important lesson. Yeah, and I mean, I went, and all the kids there, they knew what happened. Yeah. But they were trying to be like, you know, they were trying to like not pay attention. I was like, guys, we could talk about this, and like I told them everything that happened. And they all, you know, giving me hugs. And, like, I'll appreciate them for that for the rest of my life. Cause, and like, in general. They help me get through that. Yeah. Your bandmates are more than someone you're making music with. These exactly. are family. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's family. It really is family. Like, we, have, we will have each other's backs for the rest of our lives. Do you remember the last thing he said to you? The last thing Colonel said to me? Yeah. I don't. I don't. But there's the one thing that will always stick with me that he said is play with intent. Yes. Play with absolute intention, because if you're not, then where is it coming from? And I was like, whoa. So how many songs had you written at that point? How many songs that we actually play? Yeah. Probably one. Marmalade. Hmm? Marmalade? No. I didn't write that. Oh, you didn't write Marmalade? Who's- that was, uh, I didn't write that. No, that was in a, um, I was in a movie. Oh, okay. That's not me, no. I thought you had written it. No, yeah. But you had only written one that your band was playing. But then right after that, did you not... I mean, I, that's one time you and I had a Twitter interaction and you were telling me that you were starting to write stuff. That's, that's a, around the time you started writing a lot, right? Yeah. That was, it was right then. 
did any of them just come like flowing water? No, I actually had writer's block after that for a while. Oh, really? Because I couldn't think straight for like two weeks. Understandable. Let me, let me ask you a question. This is a phenomenon that I found out from others. Uh, this is, I thought it was just one incident with one person, but it ends up being several people. Where the, night af- the day after Bruce left us, they, they want, they're like just thinking about him. So they went to their voicemails to go listen to an old voicemail because he had several. You know, he would call. I'm sure you got the calls, you know? Yeah. And he would just leave these crazy voicemails. Well, not just one person, but several. All voicemails disappeared. They did? Yeah, they did. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Do you know what also doesn't make any sense? My dad, at the last number, right before he fell down, my dad went to take a picture, multiple, and they were all black when we went to look at them the next day. That's weird. I didn't take. They, I only took two were, photos that whole that whole day. Yeah, and it was at that. The, the, yeah, that moment. It was, was like, like yeah, wow, it's so like weird. it's so weird. It's so weird. But he's leaving. I know that every single time I'm playing on stage, he's there, yeah. and I know that every time anybody on who's who was on that stage or anybody that he's ever met does anything, he was always there. He will always be protecting. Like he's, and that's something you know. I feel secure about that because I know he's watching us right now, do this interview. And he's probably laughing. Yeah. But like, I mean, he 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 left a mark oh, on me. Like, if he if he's doing anything in this interview, then then it's just gonna sound like this. Yeah. 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 He. I feel protected, but not not only protected, but like it feels good knowing that, like I will never do a show again. That he won't be presented in it. Like I have a, on my amp, I have a picture of him, and like I know a lot of other people do. And I mean, the one thing, the one other thing that he always advice that he always gave me is to have no ego. And he had no ego. Like when I say he had no ego, he's the nicest, probably the nicest person I've ever met. I mean, I've had birthday dinner with him at Giacomo's, best fried chicken in the world. I've had, you know, I've play with him in the teens of times like probably more than 15 times I've played with him I've done shows with him I've you know I've seen movies. him every, I've done, I did a movie with him like, what's up with that movie Here Comes Rusty what's going on with that Here yeah. Comes Rusty I really don't know I don't know. I mean, it's like gonna be a it's gonna be a cult classic. Like in ten years, like when you are like playing <laughs> no, stadiums, yeah, when and I, it, you know, it, it'll it'll come out. I don't know. I I don't know, but I watched it. Uh, and I like it. It was good. It's we, good, uh, yeah. We aired it on uh, Jam Cruise that year. And yeah. So does the way that night ended eclipse the rest of the night for you, or do you still remember great musical moments that happened that night as well? It's not that it eclipses everything else, but it definitely has more magnitude. But do you, rem- do you have any other fond memories? Yeah, musical? I mean, and, and then- they did a Jessica that was just insane that yes. night. But they, you, I mean, with you on stage. Me, I remember the stuff that I did just as well. I played, I don't remember the, like, the names of the songs I played, but, like, I remember just having so much fun. So much fun playing. You know, I never played at the Fox Theater, and I cannot wait to make a grand return to there. But, I mean, I, 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 it hasn't eclipsed it, no. It's just, it has just a little bit more magnitude than everything else, but, of course. You'll be making your way back to the Fox sometime soon. Yeah, I can't wait until that day. That's going to be a crazy day. I just found out I actually am going to be performing at the Fox. Well, not performing, doing an auction. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to do a little quick auction. i got five minutes to sell something. That's cool. (laughs) That's cool. 
All right, let's run through a few of the other musicians you played with, and then we'll leave you alone. Is that cool? Yeah, he's yeah, got sure. to go down. Because, like, Stanley Jordan is someone I really admire. Yeah. And he's a big influence on you. Yes, he is. When did you get to meet him? Jam Cruise. Oh, okay. First one. Now, Great. are you inspired by him? I mean, at some point, you do what you do on guitar. Now, would you ever go for the bass, playing the bass and the melody at the same time thing? Is that something? I can't do it. Like, you I don't think now, I'll ever. As you get older? I mean, I'd, I'd love to take it on. You know, doing that. Charlie Hunter is another person who does yeah. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, I'd love to do it, but I, I don't think it's ever ever something that I'll play live, that I'll do live, unless I'm doing, like, a solo show and I want to change it up, but never with, like, a band setting, I don't think. But, I mean, the stuff that he's done, it's crazy. Like, watching him, like, I mean, if you put, like, paint on his fingers and watched it just go all over the neck... Like it would be, it'd be a picture of Bruce. Though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but yeah, it would That'd be, be the auction up right there. Yeah, no, but yeah, he he he's revolutionized the guitar in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. He is amazing. Yeah. Uh, what about the George Clinton? Did that happen because of McFadden? Yeah. Okay. I was playing show. Uh, actually, no, I was going to Nam. Which is this? Vietnam. Uh, the, what? No. You went to Vietnam? No, no, not Vietnam. See, that's his, that's Nam. his role. Nam uh, in Anaheim, California, a couple four years, five years ago. It's this uh, guitar geek convention, mm-hmm. which I go to every year because it's a guitar geek convention, and I'm a geek. But I, I he was there. I had already uh, met him. I don't think that's the first time that I ever played with him. But he invited me to come to the Viper Room, which is if you know what the Viper Room is, Legend. not a, it's not a very uh, kid friendly place. <laughs> So I had to wait outside until like probably 1 a.m. and then I went on. It was super fun. And I did not know. We were playing Maggot Brain. I didn't know what the song was before. Didn't know who George Clinton was. And George Clinton watched up stage. He's like, whoa. Like, you got to come play with me uh, at, at the NAM thing because they have like a giant stage and he was playing a set there. And I got to play with him that night. And, you know, guys in roller skates or girls in roller skates all around I'm pretty sure there was like a stripper pole on stage and you think there like, was yeah, I, I don't remember exactly you averted your glance is what you're saying <laughs> I don't know yeah that's yeah but like there's a bunch of you know dancers and like 30 people on stage and that was another time where it was like wow he, he was he was such a nice guy still is a nice guy I've seen him a couple times after that and I mean what what, a, what an amazing guy I mean he revolutionized music like there's a there's a lot of samples out there in you know, hip hop music today that is all him. Absolutely. And he, he, I hear it sometimes because I listen to hip hop music too. Who's your favorite hip hop guys? Do you like Kendrick at all? I love Kendrick. J. Cole? Yeah. I like them all. But I really like, I really like Drake. Not because like he's not like a rapper, but like some of his, I don't like, I'm not like the biggest fan of all of his music. You just like him on a Tuesday. <laughs> I, I, he, he's really good, and I, I've heard his story, too, in interviews and stuff, and I, I look up to him as a fact that, you know, like, nobody was taking him seriously, and he just, you know, rose from all that, and now he's playing, you know, stadiums. Good for him. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well, it's getting a little bit louder down there, which means we got to well, wrap it up. Yeah, yeah come on. I'm, I'm patient. I'm patient. Cool? Yeah. Another guitar geek thing is the D- D'Angelico thing. Yeah. Now we get into one of my favorites. Take a guess. Just talk. Bob Weir. Oh, Bob God. Weir. Right. Have a good day. It was nice interview. See you later. <laughs> we'll take it from here. 
So did you, you you played with him a little, and did you get to hang with him? I haven't played with him. I don't think. No, I haven't played with him. But he did play with the band. Well, he oh. played. You, you oh my for god, him. no! Come on. But you played on the same stage. <laughs> no way. I gotta take. I gotta give him a second. Really playing, playing, playing in the band. You really had to. Yeah. Come on, that was a, that was a bit of a stretch. Come on. Come on. There's man. many of them. Hey. Come on. He's standing That's, on a tower with a world at his command. That's um, We're all cats under Bruce's stars right now. <laughs> you know, he's put us in his own slipknot. I could go for days on these, but come on. Oh, you're going to roll away the interview. What were oh. we talking about? <laughs> Did you get to chat with Bobby at home? No. Really but I, got to, I got to see him. Bobby spat on him. We got to get, link you guys up. I did get, I got to see him do a private show at the D'Angelico booth at NAMM, the mm. convention. Oh, yeah. Wait a second. D'Angelico is, uh, you have your own guitar now with them too, right? Yeah, they, I have, do. Did the model come out? It, I don't think it's come out yet. It's been announced, but I don't, I don't think uh, it comes out until May. Because they were going to reveal it at NAMM this year. Yeah, they did. They, they revealed it last year. Now it's a fun time. And I mean, the fact that they're even giving a then 15-year-old, <laughs> like, because I'm 16 now, but like, they gave a 15-year-old a chance to, you know, do a signature guitar. That's that's pretty, pretty awesome. That was pretty crazy. Buddy Guy invited him on stage from the audience. Yeah, that's a, tell I'll that tell that story. story. So, I was sitting in the theater at Madison Square Garden. All right, this has been my school of rock days. And I was like, Dad, Buddy Guy, and. Uh, uh, Jeff Beck are playing at the Garden. Ooh, we should go. We should go. And I was like, he was like, yeah, why not? Buy the tickets. Go to the seats. Hold on a second. You say buy the tickets. See that, Rob? A musician buying tickets. Yeah, like I'm it. all up for supporting musicians. I you like know, it. even buying albums. You know, not going on Spotify all the time, you know. Because I appreciate what people do it for me. But, you know, bought the tickets, went to the seats. I knew Buddy Guy did, you know, his walk around thing with his wireless guitar to where he goes in the audience. But, I mean, I didn't think of anything. I didn't think I was going to play that night. But I always have a pick in my pocket whenever I go anywhere just in case anything happens. Right. And this is a point where something happens. So he walks around. He takes. He saw me. Uh, he probably thought I was, like, six years old because I was, like, I was obviously, r- like, really small at the time. <laughs> and he, you know, baby face and all. And he, like, put my fingers on the strings. And I was like, I can play. He's like, really? Be on the stage for five minutes. And then he called me up five minutes later. I didn't think he was going to remember, but I somehow got on. I don't know. I don't know how I did. I think I climbed over, like, the fence or whatever. That's the end. And then I climbed on stage. I didn't have a guitar. And then after the show, he said, bring your damn guitar next time. On stage, he said. Yeah. But, like, after I, I played it, and now that was really fun. And then I just went back in the audience. I, I got well, Buddy. I got, his, I got his manager's card, went back in the audience, watched Jeff Beck after. And I got to meet Jeff Beck. Yeah, but after, first but. he left, and you played alone, and then you, you played, you went kind of toe to toe with him for a bit, right? Yeah, briefly, briefly. I mean, he—he's one thing to sit in with the band; it's another thing to go back and forth with Buddy Guy. I mean, that's he, crazy. yeah, he—he—he he, he is such a, an amazing player, and I mean, the Grammys say it all. Like he's done so much for the blues music; he's advanced so much. I mean, him—you know—the guys like him and Jimi Hendrix and. BB uh, King and Albert King, like Freddie King, like oh, they've all, they've well, all just, they've all just, you know, revolutionized music in general. And the fact that I got to, when I got to go on stage with him, like that, that was crazy for me. So when you think of musicians like that, and how many have paved the road, what's left for you to pave? 
We'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> well, you must think of that in songwriting. That's the toughest thing to be a songwriter now. Is that so much? Yeah. Said and done. But the thing I'd love to do, be able to do, is you know, blend people from the jam band scene, the blues scene, the hip hop scene, and just have music to where everybody likes a little bit of it and comes out, and you know, they can all you know coexist. Because it's a hard thing to do to blend jam band people with blues people with the kids today. Hey, listen, the fact that widespread fans and fish fans are, are seeing each other's bands. That's there's, even, there's... that's crazy, too. Because <laughs> fish fans, I know a lot of them, and I am one You're of them. In New York? I yeah. am a fish fan. Us fish fans are very stubborn with our music choices. Mm-hmm. Especially at music festivals. And the fact that Fish played at Lock-In a couple of years ago and people were actually going to see other bands, I was like, whoa. Because like, I was watching, you know, they have a stream. And like the fact that the Fish fans were, you know, like going out and seeing other people, like that, I was like, wow, that's, well, that's cool. Well, that's the leads us to our Osiris neighbors beyond the pond. Yes, that's what their intended the goal pod. is. Yeah, they take even jams. And we'll be like, this reminded me of spiritualized because the way they went in it. And, and, and it's like, it, yeah. it's true. And it's a good way to get, because they can be a bit myopic, as they say, mm-hmm. fish fans. The, yeah, but I mean, I love fish. I am a fish fan. And I mean, I've seen fish fans, you know, um, How many at times my shows them? and I've seen them four times. Where? Have you, have you played with Trey? All at Madison Square Garden. I haven't played with Trey. Got to meet him for like five seconds. Another really nice guy. And I mean... I, I've learned so much from him. I mean, learning his solos, you know, note for note, and like, probably best tone of all time. Yeah. And he he's so good. He's just so good. And and you guys improvise a little bit, but within the structure of the song, as a Fish fan, you must in the back of your head have maybe a goal of just off the charts playing at some point down the road. Complete improv where you don't even know where it's going. How often do you do that? <sighs> once type, in the show. Two. Once in the show. Oh, you do. Once in the show. But, I mean, the thing about that I love about Trey's playing and them is, like, every jam is a story. It doesn't just go ballistic from the start and right. stay there. It either stays up there, goes down, or starts down and goes up. And, like, you know, there's, it's, a, it's a story, like you said. Like, Some would say it's a story of a ghost. Yes. The story of the ghost. I was new. I like, <laughs> I like when they, you know, keep it simple. Before we move on, did you do anything with that card, the buddy guy? Like, how much are you following up with these musicians, and how comfortable are you to invite them to your show? At what point? Do you I don't get- think I don't think we've followed up that much with buddy guys, uh, person. But I mean, we we don't really in, we don't really invite a lot of you know musicians to our shows. But like musicians that are like that we know really well, sure, of course, we invite. But I think you'd be surprised how someone like Carlos Santana or Bob Weir might be amenable to coming out and sitting in if you're in their town, if it's if it's convenient to them. Yeah, I mean, there's always a fear of rejection, but like, oh, whatever. I mean, that's that's true. We, that's something that we probably sh- should start. I mean, doing if you more. got Bobby to sit in, then all these well, deadheads would see it. And, and, spe- and speaking of sit-ins, though, I, I mean, I, I know the lesson that Bruce taught. But would you share what Bruce's uh, perspective, what he taught you about the art of sitting in, the asking or not asking, etc.? Yeah. yeah, you don't ask ever. You don't ask to sit in, but you can ask for them to sit in with your band. Yeah, you do not ask to sit in. That's one thing I've seen. I haven't done it. I don't think I've ever done it. But I've seen people do it, and it usually, sometimes it comes off as like, like unless you really know that person. Like I never, like some of usually like when I'm when I'm sitting in the first time, I never ask ever. It's like, you know, it's a courtesy thing. You're like, they're doing you a favor by letting you sit in with them. 
course. It's not the other way around. Right. I mean, he would say, like, bring your instrument and be asked. Yeah. Be seen. You, be, be, seen be asked. Be seen, yeah. yeah. And if not, it's not a big deal. I've done sit-ins where people forgot that I was even there. They asked me to come. I came with my amp. My amp and stuff were on stage, and I just, and it just didn't happen because they forgot. And that's yeah. cool, too. And you like, can't take that personally. You can't take it personally because, you know, when you're in that feeling, you know, sometimes you forget. Or maybe they didn't want me to sit in that day, and that's fine, too. Like, it's I mean, I don't, I don't ever get mad because, I mean, like the fact yeah, it's always a good show, too. Like, And you talk about mixing jam bands with uh, jam band music with other music. If you want to talk about jazz, R&B, hip-hop, and jam band got to talk about lettuce and you love adam right i adam. love lettuce love adam well all the guys they've been super nice to me one of my first sit-ins ever jam cruise <laughs> like that that was fun time and the funkiest band probably alive right now and they 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 have brought so much you know to the community and like in the ways that they've revolutionized they've brought the funk music into there's some poppy stuff in there and i mean you get you do not go to a lettuce concert and your neck doesn't hurt after by like right. just head bobbing <laughs> all night. Truth is, Rob, take uh, take the interview back to where his mom, where he had to go audition. He had to, to for School of Rock and he had to dance. His mom's like the truth of the story is his mom just said, "Go to a lettuce show, you'll learn how to dance." It's true. Yeah, kind of you will. My fire, you will. <laughs> it's, right. it's awesome. Yeah, she's the one who well, provides the balance in your life, right? Your mother. Yeah, my mom does because. That's when she's like, you know, go out with your friends. Like, go I'll play video games. Be home by 10. <laughs> <laughs> go out, have a nice time, but you better be home. No, yeah, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, she's overprotective, but I like it because she keeps me in line. Does she give you the, uh, have a nice tour. It's okay. You're going to miss Passover. I mean. Passive aggressive guilt trips is, I think, what he's saying. She, <laughs> no, we're. We're Catholic, so I got to go to Mass, and, oh, and I got to go to... Because New Seth York, it seems like gay people think everybody's Jewish. thinks everybody's Jewish. Well, one last thing, scorpions? Yeah, that was another thing. I was thinking about that when you were asking me about, about being afraid or, like, getting stage fright or something, you asked. You asked about, like, yeah. ever getting nervous. Sure, sure, like, sure. I was at Barclays Center in front of 20,000 people. I'd never done anything like that. And, and you played like, it on their big hit, which is the yeah, big closer. On the, yeah, and... Someone like no one like you, that was fun. That was fun. Did you take a guitar break? Yeah. Did they give you any, or they're just like, go rip it? Yeah, for like, yeah, they gave me a couple. Um, but you know exactly how long it was gonna. No, be. No, yeah, I knew exactly how long <laughs> it was gonna be, and like, you know, they have like the long, like they have the long thing that goes all the way into the audience where you could like walk, and like we were all like running oh, yeah. up there, like that was that was style. fun, like that was the that was the experience where I felt like a rock star, like being on stage, just like a. 11 year old doing that and we would not be doing you right if we didn't ask about the record you, you, you alluded to it how close are we you're, you're working on it up in Long Island how close are we to having it done and released we'll see we really don't know <laughs> yeah. really it's don't not know. easy to do is it it's not no because I'm such a perfectionist you know like if it's going to go out I want to be alright with it and now I'm learning that you'll, you could always do something better so it's like you have to just let it go but this is your. Done. This is gonna be your first album. First, anything. So, so then you're really gonna get it done on record time. <laughs> All right, you can walk away. I can't, I'm stuck with them. All right, yeah. Sorry. Do you like the studio experience though? Do you do you like it or? Is I it, love it because yeah. I get to write. I love writing. You're a good man, dude. I'm, it's gonna be so Appreciate fun watching it. your Thank career you, unfold. Keep it going.
Taz. Yes, he grew up idolizing Derek Trucks. And then where does he get to play with him for the first time? Downtown Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you very much. That was kind of neat. Oh, well, you know, we didn't even mention the intro. Uh, that uh, we we had a little chat. Or wait, did I have a chat? Yeah, I had the chat. You weren't with me on that one. We did the uh, at Sweetwater Four Twenty Fest. We did the uh, morning brew, and I sat down with Taz and chatted with him a bit. My son still is fat, uh, just like wants to learn from Taz because you know it's kind of cool, like a six year old seeing a thirteen year old playing guitar when well, he was thirteen at the time. Daryl, your son, did he talk at all with Taz? Oh, yeah. He met him, high-fived him, and Taz even said he would do a uh, video. I don't know why. I haven't taken him up on that. Hey, Taz, I'm calling. We're doing this. Uh, I'm going to have my son do that um, FaceTime video lesson with you, because why not? I mean, that makes sense. You offered it. We're taking it. Hey, Taz, send me your phone number. We'll text about the NBA all the time. Kid is smart. He is super smart. And it was fun. That was a... it surprised me. I didn't realize how many originals he was working on, and he's really starting to come out as a musician, uh, an original songwriter and whatnot. I'd really like to get his thoughts on Kemba Walker. I'm sorry, who, what's he play? Guitar um, or bass guitar? He's like, a, he's, like a, he's like a two guard. Huh? Oh, you're talking about sports. You're listening to Sports Radio with Rob Turner. Well, uh, one, another thing that encouraged me in that interview is that the, his band is doing about 70% originals at the time of that interview, which by now maybe they're up to 80 or 90, which is, which is great. I'm not, I'm not saying bands shouldn't play covers. It's certainly not my preference, and I do respect that there's a need for them, and I know people love covers, but if you want a long-term career, you've got to bring the originals. And that's what he's doing. And I don't know why I thought he was Jewish for a minute there. That was really weird. I was just like, oh, he's New York. <laughs> What the hell was that the about? Hair. Hmm? It's the hair. It's the the hair. hair. Oh, the Jufro. Yeah, that. And I don't know. Just uh, that. But that, yeah. That, sometimes I put my foot in my mouth. And that time I certainly did. Well, see, Seth, the colonel told us to live in the theater of embarrassment. And that moment you lived up to those words. Uh, he, uh, Taz is such a good dude, though. I, I look forward to seeing his career continuously grow. And... um I wonder if he'll do another Broadway thing again. I mean, the School of Rock was awesome. I never got to see him in it, but I would have loved to. But I wonder if he'll he, – who knows? And if you haven't watched the, the movie Here Comes Rusty, please do. If I don't even know where it's available. Um, it's got to be available somewhere. But, man, like that – in 20 years down the road, that movie's going to be – you know what I'm saying? It's like that. then I'll, it's going to become a cult classic or something. It's just uh, – it's, and we talk about that in episodes two and three with Colonel Bruce Hampton, because Colonel Bruce is also in that movie, as well as Fred Willard, whose name I forget. And um, actually, Seth, your worst performance ever, the intro of, of episode three. You can see how far Seth has come from uh, compare episode three to... Well, don't compare it to the beginning the of this episode, though. Not not this one. <laughs> compare it to Bill Nurse. Yeah, so you were good that one. Uh, uh, you, you were just awful in the intro. Just terrible. But I still love you. Well, that's nice. If you love me, you'd be coming back home. But why don't you come? You know what? If you love me, you'll come back home when I go out of town so we can really, really have more distance. Yeah, Governor Mule keeps playing going to send you back to Georgia while I'm on my trip. Are they sending me a message? I don't think they're sending you a message, but I'm going to go see the Wood Brothers here in about an hour. Are you serious? Yeah, Where? we're at the Botanical, Botanical Gardens, yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, this I might w- see Jefferson Starship tomorrow because David Freiberg, uh, was a co-founder of Quicksilver Messenger Service, and we lost another co-founder of theirs recently, Gary Duncan. 
Gary Duncan and John Cipollina were the guitarists, both Friends of the Dead, and they were all part of that circle. Big Brother, uh, Grateful Dead, Quicksilver were all bands together underneath the airplane. The airplane were the kingpins back then, my friends, and in many people's minds, they still are. Chips and airplane. Gary Duncan also, when Bill Graham passed away in 1991, the Grateful Dead had run, did a run of four shows, the first of which Gary Duncan and Carlos Santana sat in, and then the last of which... Not only did Gary, Carlos couldn't make it, he had his own gig, but Gary Duncan came back and sat in, and, and he was on stage during the Dark Star, which Ken Kesey came out and did a, a tribute to Bill Graham, a spontaneous improvisational, smart, uh, at points incoherent, but extremely heartfelt and beautiful tribute, mid-Dark Star tribute to Bill Graham as Bear Owsley danced and turned his arm, he turned himself into a multi-armed something or another uh, by Phil Zamp. Uh, very, very special, supreme Grateful Dead show, 10:31:91. It is before drums, if you want to listen. Trucking, Spoonful, Dark Star Drums. It is some of the most haunting, mysterious, and spooky Grateful Dead you will ever hear in your life. And Gary Duncan was on stage. Rest your soul, Gary Duncan. God bless the Quicksilver Messenger Service. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. That's a lot of knowledge I didn't even know. Not even you? Not even... Me. Well, Rob, let the music. The music expert Seth Weiner didn't know that. That's nice you to say that, Rob. Well, <laughs> oh, why are you sensitive today? I'm not really that sensitive. I guess I'm just uh, eager to uh, put this down and um, get back to. See, what when I was we're doing. not in the same room, listeners, I can't. I can't like hold Seth close to me as I make fun of him. So I, he, he doesn't take this stuff as well. Oh, that's the, that? that's the train. Train's coming. Oh, train to the Wood Brothers. Get on that train to the Wood Brothers, Seth. Train to the Botanical Gardens loading now. Uh, well, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed Taz. Hope you enjoyed the music on the show. We're going to go ahead and leave you with a little bit more. And uh, enjoy. We love and appreciate, we love and appreciate one, every one of you. And here is what Taz identified as his greatest moment on stage to date. How's everybody feeling? What a beautiful day for a festival. I'm just so glad that the weather was so beautiful today and everybody's having a good time and being safe. Yeah.
Nice for the Tedeschi Trucks Band with Taz over here, tearing up the whole place. Thank you so much for having us. We love you guys, and we hope to be back next year too. Thank you so much.